Amen. All right, judges. The book of Judges, chapter 4. Again, we're not going to cover the whole story tonight. Um, (coughs) I know some of you enjoy that. I just, the whole idea of uh, Cicero running until until uh, J.L. nailed him down, or, uh, you know, the lesson of never interrupt a lady while she's doing her nails. Or, I mean, there's lots of great things here, but we're not going to get that far into it. So, Judges in chapter 4, and we're going to study first. Uh, I, I'm only going to read this portion, and then we may go into chapter 5 as well. But So get into chapter 4, Judges in chapter 4. In verse 1, Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Now notice it mentions Ehud, it does not mention Shamgar because again there's got to be some overlap here. And according, if we want to be specific, Judges, it does appear that maybe Ehud and then Deborah and Barak were the Judges, okay, and Shamgar was a deliverer. So verse 2. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Heresheth of the Gentiles. Now, they're sold into the hand of Jabin, but Sisera is the key. Okay, Sisera is mentioned 17 times in these two chapters, by name specifically, 13 times just in chapter 4. So, Jabin is the the figurehead, if you will, he's the one doing it, but Sisera is the one who's at the forefront of the edge of the knife of Jabin. Okay, so verse 3. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he, Sisera, had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, I'm not going to spend any time much on Deborah today. We will talk about her, I think, more next week. But I just want you to notice that she has, she has some real authority. Okay, I mean, she has, uh, she's being gone. People are coming to her for civil cases, okay? And she's got enough uh, authority to call a, a leader of Israel, Barak, uh, and him to come running, okay? So, I mean, she's got some real authority. This isn't just uh, anything assumed. And we'll talk her about, I'll talk again more about her next week, okay? So, middle of verse 6, uh, she says to Barak, <clears throat> The Lord hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw to, toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun. And I, this is God's, God talking through Deborah now, and I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I, again God, I will deliver him into thine hand. And so this is the voice of God. Do this, I'm going to do this, you do this. And this is Barak's response. Barak said unto her, 
If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And we'll talk about that. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And Barak called Zebulun. Well, you know what? Let's just stop right there. Most of you know the rest of the story, but we're going to stop right there at this point. Okay? So the long story short is, yes, they win. Yes, God does do the delivering. God does do the drawing of Sisera. Um, verse 15, it says, And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. We know from chapter 5 that there was a big flood and all the chariots pretty much got stuck in the mud, so they had to walk. Okay, um, And then from there on, uh, Barak does a great job. His army, they wipe out the army of Sisera. Sisera is not killed by Barak. He does not get the, the he does not get to remove the key. Okay? That is done by JL. Okay? And that's again, we'll go back to that a little bit. And we go down to verse 23. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin the king of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin the king of Canaan. Okay, so Barak didn't quit when Sisera was dead, but Sisera was the key to the, to the primary portion of this whole thing. And then chapter 5 is, a, is poetry. Okay, it's a, it's a song about the whole thing that Deborah and Barak sing together, or maybe wrote together apparently. Uh, we're kind of left with the idea maybe Deborah was a singing prophetess, uh, and this is just one of those things, but we'll talk about all that later. So chapter 4, uh, today we're going to look at uh, Barak and his faith. Barak and his faith. Father, we thank you for the day, and Lord, uh, Lord, I, I just want to come and personally thank you for the story, Lord, and already how you've touched my heart with it. And Lord, I pray that you'd be, help, Lord, Help us to be a blessing to someone here, Lord. We'll thank you for that. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I have to admit, again, I've told, I mentioned this morning, this is not one of my most favorite stories. And not because of anything against Deborah. I know the Lord likes male leadership, and it does. it is maybe apparent at this point that Perhaps the, the male leadership was so weak that, that God did use a woman, and God's not, a, not apart from that. Um, Deborah, obviously, in this, like I say, she's, she is a prophetess. Uh, she, has, she has some real authority, I, I would say almost supreme authority in the nation of Israel. That's what it sure seems. If she can call up an army and deal with civil cases, that's, it's kind of hard to get much higher than that in the realm of governance. Uh, but I always kind of felt like, you know, Barak was a disappointment, you know? I mean, here he had this chance, and he just blew it. You know, and he, you, know you kind of look at the story generally, and I, I've always kept, kind of looked at it that way and felt bad about it. And I've even heard preachers preach it that way, that, you know, the whole thing, just a, Barak's a disappointment, and God used a woman because a man wouldn't do the job. All that might be truthful here, but um, when I got studying this passage, I kept running into a problem. Well, number one... And it got worse, by the way. The problem got worse. But number one is, they won. And Barak was the leader. 
okay? They won. They, they won. They beat the, 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 the people of the Canaanites of the king of Jabin, okay? They beat them, and they won. And Barak is still involved, and oh, the whole thing, I, you know, I looked at it as a punishment that the Lord took away the, you know, the killing of Sisera. That was a punishment. And the more I look at it, I realize that that can't be true either. You know, it's interesting, and this is what, this is what messed me up. Because every time I come to this thing in verse 8, where Barak, I mean, this, is, this just blows my mind. I just want you to think about this. Here's, here's the one woman in the one person, I mean, not just woman, man, the one person in the whole nation of Israel who is hearing from God. I mean, she is hearing the word of God and giving it to God's people, and she's saying, hey, Barak, this is what God said to you, not to me, to you, you do this. I mean, that whole, the, the whole message from chapter, from verse 6 down to verse 8 is to Barak. It's directly, listen, this is to you, Barak. You, you go, you get the army. I will take care of bringing Sisera to you. I will also take care of delivering Sisera to you, uh, delivering the battle, which, by the way, he did both of those things. And, and what is Barak's response to God's word? That's great, but I don't trust that completely. Do you hear that? It's not a lack of faith, per se. It sure looks that way, doesn't it? It looks like a lack of faith. Like, okay, that's what God's word is, great. But, Deborah, if you don't go with me, then I ain't going. I mean, can you imagine telling God that? That's great, God, I hear what you're saying, but if they don't go with me, I ain't going. It sounds real... It sounds real cool when you think about, you know, saying that to the government. Well, if I don't, if this doesn't happen, then I ain't going. But this isn't the government we're talking to. This is God Almighty. And Barak is basically telling God through, through Deborah, well, you can tell God that that's great, but I'm not doing this unless she goes with me. <laughs> like, okay. Here's, God, I agree. Here's, here's, here's my caveats. Here's the clauses I'm adding to the contract, you know. Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? It's very interesting. But now here's the whole deal. Barak is not punished. He's not punished. Well, sure he is. He didn't get to kill Sisera. No, that's not punishment. That's less of a personal victory. He still led the troops, right? Everybody answer me out loud. He still led the troops. Yeah. They won. Yes. They still freed themselves. Deborah didn't lead the troops. He did. Okay. He, he went and got 10,000 men, did he? We know from the song that a little later, they end up with about 40,000 men because of the initial, the initial attack. They end up with about 40,000 men. And he leads, and he leads eventually 40,000 men, and they, they take care of the whole oppression under the leadership of Barak. I mean, he does. It's not like the guy's a scaredy cat. I mean, we don't see anything in here where he's, like, afraid to haul out the sword. He's like, I- I'm getting the picture of the Sisera. I mean, I'm almost getting the picture of, you know, th- there's hardly any weapons in the whole land. And, and we, we'll, we'll see that here if you look in chapter 5, verse 8. It says, they chose new gods, then was war in the gates. Was there a shield or a spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? And that's referencing the end-up end number there that they ended up with. But they didn't even have a shield or a spear. I mean, it was like a rare thing to even have a weapon. For, uh, for them. And they did this. This is an incredible battle. So Barak, 
this whole story, Barak leading on with, with the with the assistance of Deborah, or at least the presence of Deborah, leads a battle in which they're underdogs. They have they have way less in numbers than uh, from what we understand than what the other uh, than what the Canaanites had. I mean, nine hundred chariots of iron. And the term chariots of iron is, is a description that has often been used in history to describe not necessarily completely made of iron, but wooden chariots that have a lot of iron, uh, like the wheels are iron, there's iron uh, scythes going out the sides, so when they would, when they would run through the, the footmen, it would rip up and shred them. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's referencing an, a, a, a chariot that has got a lot of iron and weaponry and it can do a lot of damage running through. 900 chariots against 10,000 men. Chariots of iron against 10,000 men on foot. I don't know if you know the I don't know if you know the, the the numbers or not, but just look up a little bit if you get a chance about chariots facing footmen, and the footmen don't stand too well on that. They're not all that lucky. Plus, you got horses out in front that are used to war and like war. Believe it or not, you can train horses to they love the battle, they run to the battle. Very interesting. Even the Bible talks about that. So we're not talking about Barak, some weakling, some scaredy cat. This is Barak, a soldier who is willing and capable of, of, lead, of calling 10,000 men who will readily follow him, now that's, no small attack. that's no small thing. I just want you to consider yourself. Do you think there's any one of you that could stand up in the middle of Jerome and call the whole town of Jerome to follow you to do something? Think about that a second. So this is a man who's capable of calling 10,000 men to follow him, not only is he capable of calling them and gathering them, he is capable of leading them into battle uh, against, a superior, <laughs> against a superior enemy who has superior weapons. While you not only have, hardly have weapons, the ones you do have are inferior weapons. So we're not talking about a guy, I mean, he's capable, he's a leader, he's obviously a soldier of some sort. I'm, I really do. I kind of get the picture of this little the stocky little dude walking up, you know, and I don't know what he's got in his hand. Maybe he's got the one sword or the one spear, or maybe he found Shamgar's ox goad and sharpened it up. I don't know, you know. But he's standing there like, all right, where are we going? Like, what are we doing? And, I mean, I'm not seeing any fear in this guy. Well, the Lord says, this is what you need to do. In my mind, what I'm seeing, Barak is kind of one of those guys who sees in Deborah that she has faith, but she gets to talk to God. I don't get to talk to God. Now, he doesn't realize he can have his own relationship with God. He only sees something in, in Deborah that, you know, maybe he's, it's like, I see you got something. I don't know that I got that. So, Deborah, it's like, I believe in what I see. Does that make sense? Uh, we can take care of this. I think we can do this. Yes, I, I believe God will help us, but um, I believe you said God would help us, so I believe you. So, if you're there, I'll feel a lot better. Okay, you, you get the picture? This isn't a scaredy cat. And the more I thought about this, man, I even wrote in my Bible, lack of faith. Lack of faith. I wrote all my notes, no faith. I was writing all these things. And then I ran into this really big problem. The big problem is called Scripture. Scripture will mess you up every time. So turn with me for a second over to the famous Hall of Faith. So I'll go over to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> so Hebrews chapter 11, of course we have all these stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. I mean, just a, you know, great, great stories. Rahab, got some, got some uh, verses about Rahab. 
And then we get to verse 32. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. Our author Paul here says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. (laughs) I got a big problem. What's the problem? The Bible says Barak had faith. Well, now, wait a sec. So what's this whole business going on over here? Okay, now, it is interesting. Look at the people he's listed with just a second here. And none of these are in chronological order, by the way. So don't, don't it's just kind of, it must be as these comes to mind. So I'll, I'll tell me about Gideon. Was Gideon known for like an amazing amount of faith or was Gideon known for being pretty hesitant? Well, Lord, uh, I believe you if you can do this. Okay, that's great. You did that. that. Okay, be patient with me, Lord, but can we do the opposite of that next time? You know, I mean, Gideon is one of those guys like, are you sure? Are you really sure? Can you prove you're sure? Can you prove you're sure again? Okay. And then you've got, following him, you've got Samson. Wait, what, Samson? <laughs> Samson's moments of faith in the Bible were, let's see, if we take the whole story of if we take the whole story of Samson and we list out the verses that, are of, that have faith in them, they get really small. <laughs> the story of Samson. Here's some faith and here's some faith. I mean, he was pretty much used all of his power God gave him for personal benefit, but he did have some faith. He did do some work. And then he says, he talks about uh, Jephthah. I don't know if you know the story of Jephthah, one of the saddest stories in the Bible, who made a who really, honestly, God kind of already made him a promise, and then he, or, and then he decided he's going to make a big vow, an unnecessary vow on top of that promise, and then on, I mean, to basically to sacrifice his, what would end up being his daughter. He didn't know that at the time, and then he just followed that up by going ahead and sacrificing his daughter. I mean, just uh, it was a mess. The whole story of Jeff is just a sad, sad story. But there was again victory there. Gideon saw victory, right? Jephthah saw victory. He, he, uh, he beat his enemies. Samson beat his enemies, right? Okay. And then David. David the adulterer. King David, yes. Uh, we know David. David and Peter. David in the Old Testament, Peter in the New Testament ought to be two of the greatest encouragements to any believer ever that God uses people who are faulty. Well, can we just carry that a bit further and let's just walk that down the ladder a few steps to Barak. <laughs> the same story. Barak isn't perfect. Is Samson perfect? No. Was Gideon perfect? No. But when we look at Barak, often we kind of, we kind of see a eh, second class. He could have had so much more. He could have had one death more credited to his account, which would have been pretty big. I mean, obviously, Sisera was the key. Sisera was the key to the oppression. You kill Sisera, the, the oppression's over. It's done. Okay. And if you're a guy, you know, 
there are certain goals you have in your life. And the general goal is great, but there's some specific things that have been nice. So I can see maybe how there would have been a little bit of disappointment in there. And he wasn't given the complete victory in actually killing Sisera. And the whole story of jail is just a lot of fun anyways. But still, the Bible clearly says here in Hebrews chapter 11, not that Barak did not have faith, but that he did have faith. So then we have to go back to, we have to, go back to our judges passage and say, Okay, well then verse 8 is not no faith. There's faith there. We just have to call what God calls it. Maybe it's weak faith, but it's still faith. What, what does the Lord say about faith as of a grain of mustard seed? His faith was kind of messed up. He needed a person. That to, I mean, it... It still took faith to do what Barak did. You can't tell me it didn't take faith to go in after chariots of iron with, with farm tools. With, you know, hay forks. <laughs> and maybe shovels and, you know, mattocks and maybe, maybe some ox goads. Who knows? I mean, it probably looked like the, the rabble rouser. So I had to sit and look at this for a little bit because Barak does win. So here, let me just look at the, let me, let me present it to this way. How shall the just live? By faith. Did Barak win? Did, did people get life? Was their life restored to them? Yes. Why? Not just because of Deborah's faith. Deborah got to hear from God. Barak didn't get to hear that. What he got to hear was the word of God through Deborah. He had a little bit of trouble with that. But there was enough faith there for him to accomplish what he was given. Now, he, it could have been better. It could have been better. But let me, let me propose to you this again. Is Barak didn't, did not get punished for his lack of faith. His victory was just maybe lessened a little. <laughs> his victory was altered. You, you can't say it was a punishment. The victory just wasn't, he didn't get to kill Sisera. They still won. I don't see how that's a punishment. It's just less of a victory. It would have been nice to kill him too. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? And the victory was still won. The people were still given. So now, let, me, let me put this thought to you. Just, and we'll back up even a little bit further here a little in a, in a minute. But the just shall live by faith. Faith. The faith of Moses would have been awesome here. Wouldn't it have been? You know, that's what God said. Let's go do it. You know, there's the Red Sea in front of us, but God says we're going to cross it. Lift the rod. There's, you know, God's, oh, God says I can kill him. There we go. I'm going to go off. Perhaps he would have, you know, he would have taken the whole thing. I'm sure it would appear he would have killed Sisera, had, had, the, had the glory, wouldn't have had the whole Hebrew, the Kenite, and Jael thing. That's incre- really interesting, the whole bit. But he still had enough faith to follow God's directives in winning the thing. So let me propose to you this. Maybe, uh, you know, faith is better than weak faith, right? Good faith is better than weak faith. But weak faith is better than no faith. Did you hear me? Weak faith is better than no faith. Was the victory altered? Somewhat. God still gave everything he promised. All that God promised was still done. It was still done. The, pro- the victory that God gave was not altered by what Barak did. Barak just didn't get to see part of it personally. Okay? 
Is everybody following me? It would have been nice to have that victory. But now here's the deal. At the end of all this, I just want you to notice chapter 5, verse 1. Then saying, Deborah, what's the next two words? Come on. Are you all in here? Let's read it again. Chapter 5, verse 1. Then saying, Deborah and Barak. When that's all over, what is Barak doing? Is he praising Deborah? No. It says right there in verse 2. What did they sing? Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. At the end of this whole thing, Barak's over there going, look what God did. He doesn't say, look what Deborah did. Look what God did. Does it look maybe that maybe Barak's faith at the beginning of this thing and at the end of this thing has maybe done a little bit of this? He has grown in this process. His faith has increased. Now, he lost, maybe lost a little bit of the extra bonus gifts that God was planning on giving, but victory was still given. He was still able to lead. His position was not declined. He was not rebuked, per se, even. There's no rebuke here except for, I mean, it would be a major bummer, wouldn't it? You know, well, just for that statement, you won't get to give the winning shot of the game. Oh, man. But we still win, right? Come on, y'all, you hear me? Is everybody here? Y'all are a little bit dead tonight. Okay. So, now let's back the whole thing up. He's included again in Hebrews chapter 11. Barak is. Now, did you notice that Deborah's not? Hebrews chapter 11, you don't hear Deborah. Well, that's because it's a male-dominated society. No, no. Deborah was functioning because she heard directly the word of God and was giving it out. Barak is the one who had to trust God's word and have faith in God's word from Deborah. He was the one functioning on a little bit more faith than Deborah was. Deborah was quite convinced. God spoke to me. I got the word of God. Here's the word of God. Barak's the one who had to believe the word of God and act upon it. This, wasn't, it's no, this is no slam on Deborah. Deborah was, Deborah was the voice of God in this passage. You can't get much better than that in the, in the nation of Israel. And so here's, here's Barak in this process, and he ends up getting included. We keep, and maybe, maybe it's not all, maybe you guys are smarter than me and have never looked at Barak quite as bad as I have and, you know, called him a loser because he let all the women lead. You know, I can't believe what a loser. And here I am recognizing that we got Barak, who's a good man. He's a good man, and he wants to see Israel freed. And he just hasn't quite seen enough. He wants to believe God. And he can see that Deborah believes God. And sure enough, there's something about God around Deborah. And I, boy, I want this to be a victory. And God says it's going to happen. I'll get the army. But who sure would be nice if Deborah was there. I'd just feel better if Deborah was there. You hear that? That, that? That's not a loss. Again, yes, he could have done better. But what we see is a guy who went from, I've got faith. I just need a little encouragement. Isn't that what Gideon was doing? Isn't that what Gideon did? And they won with pitchers and horns. <laughs> pitchers, candles, and horns. <laughs> they won a battle. Gideon doubted God. Still kind of doubting God. God, I need a little reassurance. God, I need a little reassurance. You know, so here's the lesson. Here's the, here's the lesson. And the ladies downstairs are going to kill me. You might have to stay up here and talk a little while. Because I'm essentially done. I don't know, but maybe they'll be happy. Who knows? <laughs> 
God honors faith. Period. It doesn't matter how much. More faith might produce a greater personal investment in, or a greater personal return on the investment of the faith. The just shall live by their faith. Okay? As a matter of fact, there's even a passage that says, let them receive according to their faith. However much faith they have, give that back to them, which is kind of what we see here. But God honors faith no matter what. That's why we see that little passage that says, if you have great, faith is a grain of mustard seed. Whether you've got big faith or little faith, you know what God honors? Faith. 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 Well, preacher, I see you got a vision, and it sounds exciting. I'm just not sure I got it. Well, get on board with somebody who's got vision. Why? Because at the end, you know what you might turn around and look? You know what? Barak turned around and said, Deborah was right. Look what God did. He didn't turn around and go, Wow, Deborah, you are awesome. You are the man. He got done and he heard, he remembered what Deborah had said and he looked to God and said, Wow, God, you are the man. Look what you did. Listen, faith, any faith, is better than no faith. Listen, we're going to find out when we look at this a little bit next week that there were, other, there were four tribes that could have and should have shown up once the battle was starting to be won. And they twiddled their thumbs and kind of played around and didn't show up. And they get called out in Deborah and Barak's song. That's called no faith. Somebody showed up with just a little bit of faith and God honored it. Listen, somehow we get in our mind that, oh, the Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, the greatest people ever. Yeah. No. They're people. They're people. There are people who doubted, people who had small faith, people who had great faith, people who had great faith and messed up greatly. <laughs> people who wanted to have faith and had a little bit of faith and are on their way to having faith. Listen, God honors faith. What is faith? And this is the basis of it right here. It's faith in God's word. Not faith in not faith in my what I think God is and what He means to me. No faith. What is God said? Believe it and act upon it. I'm telling you, it, it almost seems as if I could put it this way. Think about the passage: Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. When we draw nigh to God, I just want you to put this in perspective. How big is God? Take just picture that in a minute. I don't, don't give me a solid answer. Just picture that a minute. How big are we in comparison to God? Oh, God. Okay. You say, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready. Let's go a little bit. I take a step towards God. Draw an eye to God. How big is God? How big is the difference? He takes a step towards me and I take a step towards him. I mean, I'm sorry, I take a step towards him and he takes a step towards me. I wonder who's taking the bigger steps. Are you hearing? Are you hearing me? You know what God wants to see in a believer? It's not he's over there waiting. That's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Yet, you know what God wants? Somebody just to look at the book and say, well, that's what the book says. That don't make any sense. 
God, are you sure about this whole tenth of my income kind of thing? Lord, are you sure about this whole thing, about this is how I'm supposed to treat my wife or how this is how I'm supposed to treat my husband? Or God, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want me to do, God? Are you sure you want me to go and be a missionary? Certainly somebody else. Or God, are you sure about this whole thing? I don't talk to people, but you want me to go talk to people about the Lord? I... You know what God's looking for? Somebody to go, <laughs> Do you hear me? Don't matter whether it's big faith or little faith. You have a little bit of faith amongst a group of people that have no faith. You wouldn't believe the explosion it'll make. Barak got to lead the children of Israel to victory. Ended up in Hebrews chapter 11 while we kind of look down at him and the Lord's saying over here, yep, that was faith. I'm putting him in the hall of faith. Uh, Let's see, what did it say there back in Hebrews chapter 11? I love this part because I think this is directly referencing uh, Barak. Verse 34 says, Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Out of weakness were made strong. Listen, Christian. So, so you're not going to have the faith of Moses next Sunday. Or tomorrow when you go to work. I just don't know if I can, you know, I'm, I don't even know if I can, like, you know, just stand up and give the gospel to somebody. You know, how about you just start with a little bit of faith? Well, would you mind reading this? It's from my church. It's what I believe in. Thank you. <sighs> you hear me? A little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. Just start. Start something. You might walk out the other side and go, God did all that from that little bit of... I wonder if Barrett got done going, Lord... Forgive me for doubting you. <laughs> Pretty sure he probably did. Out of weakness were made strong. Faith is better than weak faith, yes. But weak faith is better than no faith. Have faith. The just shall live by faith. You want life in your, you want real life? Listen, trust the book. Trust it. And even if it's scary, and it, I'm telling you, if you're really living by faith, it's scary a lot. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Okay, God. <laughs> Amen. I'm thinking about, oh, I don't know. People like C.T. Studd or William Borden. Is it William? Borden, he's the son of a rich, rich, rich industrialist. They're, they're, and some of you know this, Borden's still around. I mean, the Borden, the, the milk and butter and things like that, that's Borden. Uh, that's been around since, I think, the, the 20s or the 30s. Here's the, uh, maybe even earlier, but the son, he's fixing to inherit the whole empire of his father, this great business thing, and the Lord begins to talk to him about 
being a missionary at the middle of nowhere. If I remember, didn't he, didn't he go to, Borden, did he go to China? Is that where he went? Do you all remember? I don't remember. And it, the Lord speaks to him to go to the middle of, I mean, place, a country he's not familiar with, language he doesn't know. He's, he's comfortable where he's at. And the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go over there. Can he, yeah, because that's normal, right? Because people do that all the time. Well, yeah, all those missionary folks. Do you think, do you think every one of those missionaries is like, I get to go to Timbuktu. Woohoo! There's snakes and tarantulas and everything stings, including some plants. It rains all the time. Not even sure if my truck will make it through. They're over there going, and sometimes there's some excitement, but I'm telling you, when they go home at night, there's a little bit of, God, are, are, you, are you sure about this? There's times when, there's times I, I think of John and Betty Stam, how they, I mean, the whole story, you need to read the story of John and Betty Stam, wonderful story. They, they, go, they go to, uh, oh man, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I've read that book four times. I think they go to China also, or Japan, China or Japan one. And they're out there ministering, and they're, they end up giving their lives on the mission field. Don't you think that was scary? They lived, they lived their whole ministry under the threat of the dictatorship of, an, of a, I believe it was the Japanese that were in Chinese territory at the time. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Just need a little bit of faith. Just a little bit. Just start somewhere. Is listen. I, I'm gonna. This is the easy stuff. This is the catechism. Who wrote this? Does God lie? Can you trust this? Can you take this and believe it and act on it? So here's what faith is. Everything you just said, instead of just saying it, go do it. Go do it. That's what faith is. I can't do that. No, faith is, listen, who's the God that you serve? Who's already, who's already given us the victory? Who's already beaten the enemy? Who's already promised to help us grow? Who's already promised to help us even when we fail, even when we fall down to get us back up? Then just have a little bit of faith. God even takes weak faith and honors it. He honors it. Even weak faith. It blows my mind that Barak gets a spot in Hebrews chapter 11. You know what that does for me? Hallelujah. God doesn't look down on people who are over there going, I'm not sure about this. God says, wow, look at that faith. <laughs> not because they stayed over there going, ah, but because he went, okay, would you hold my hand? <laughs> Do you think God... Like any good father isn't going to say, come on, let's go. Faith is better than weak faith, but weak faith, way better than no faith. Amen. Thank the Lord that God honors faith. Can I, can I just encourage you something? You know what God wants from every person in this room? Just try. Just try. Find a verse. Believe it. And scared out of your mind asking God to help you with anything he can, take a step and see what God does. You might walk out the other end like Barrett going, 
Praise the Lord. That was God. That, that was nothing to do with me, right? That, oh my goodness. Can you believe what God did? And now all of a sudden your faith is going, chink, 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 chink. <laughs> and then God's going to bump you into something else. And you're going to be, okay, now hold on a sec. <laughs> my wife and I, our term is, seems like God's always putting us in a tighter box. God, we can't do this. Yeah, you can. Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Faith is better than weak faith, but weak faith is better than no faith. Father, Lord, thank you for the incredible mercy of God that takes a very weak faith of sometimes even long-time believers and says, that's what I'm looking for. That's the good stuff. Or we may never have the faith of Moses. And it's something we should long for. But even weak faith is something that you can use to bring victory to more than just ourselves. Lord, I pray that you'd make us people, Lord, that would just try. Lord, even if we have to ask you to hold our hand, that we would try. Even if we have to follow in the steps of another who has more faith, Lord, but that we would exercise what little faith is there. And Lord, that out the other side, we will look back and say, oh my, what a God. What a God. Lord, I pray that you'd teach us. Encourage us. Bring us to more faith. Lord, we thank you now for this. We ask it in Jesus' name.